Uh, so, starting at verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets, who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstance to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, spoken all those years ago through Peter. And we pray that as we delve deeply and richly into it now and in these coming weeks, that you would enliven our hearts, that you would change us more into your likeness, Jesus Christ, and you would excite us for mission and the realities of the things to come. Amen. Amen. Um, So guys, let's take a moment and let's consider the world of 1 Peter. And it's 60 AD, and it's been an extraordinary 30 years. This one man has appeared on the scene of human history, Jesus Christ, and he's announced a new era, and he's preached, and he's healed, he's died, he's risen again. And the Holy Spirit has been given to every believer, people filled with power from on high. And this Christianity thing has spread like wildfire catching up the uh, Roman, the Greco-Roman world that these guys lived in. And people from all sort of tribes and tongues, all personalities, all socioeconomic groups are coming to faith. So young and old, slave and free, men and women. And they're becoming one in Jesus Christ, a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a chosen people, as Peter calls them. And then there's Peter. And Peter has been utterly, utterly transformed. Because if we cast our minds back to the Gospels, who was Peter? Peter was the disciple who in fear denied Jesus three times. And Peter has been transformed from denier to proclaimer. And to someone who's going to die 
for his faith. Just a couple of years after he writes this letter, he is martyred in Rome by the Emperor Nero. He's been totally transformed by the power of God, the proclaimer of the faith. And so he decides to, um, to write this letter to this desperate group of new Christians, these people who are in Cappadocia and Bithynia and all over Asia. And he is announcing what the gospel is. He's announcing salvation and he's announcing eternity. And that's what we're going to press into this evening, a big overarching framework. But he's also saying, actually, this is how you live this Christian faith. This is how you live this reality in a world that surrounds you that doesn't recognize the name of Jesus and is totally, totally different in its morality to you. Sound like anywhere we know? So, at a practical level, um, it's already been a spiritual and moral revolution, Christianity. And we're going to have to delve into the realities of the first century, which actually, for our kind of more than nine, might feel a bit uncomfortable because they're twofold the century. One is a massively patriarchal world, it's all about the father as the head of the household and everything built under that. And secondly, it's all built on slavery, on a kind of economic slavery. And Peter doesn't undo those things, but he utterly, utterly subverts them. And he speaks of the equality of husband and wife, the equality of men and women in Jesus Christ before God. And he speaks of the brotherhood and the sisterhood and the equality of slaves and masters before God. Actually, everybody is equal in this new Christian thing. Everybody is equal in the kingdom of God. And then Peter gets into spiritual realities. He gets into the reality of suffering for your faith. He himself has been thrown in prison. As I said, um, he'll be martyred to his faith. Um, Many of the the Christians surrounding him will have a similar fate. Others, it'll just be the kind of everyday suffering, just being a little bit different, being misunderstood by the world around them. And then he grabs hold of the theological framework of salvation of eternity, and he again and again delves into that. And he sums everything up in language and in the language of exile. So we see right there in verse 1. He says to these Christians, he says to us, you're exiles. So we're going to have a look at that as well today. And we called um, this series, we called it Living in the Light of Eternity. Living in the Light of Eternity. Because if you're going to understand 1 Peter, in fact, if you're going to understand the New Testament or indeed any of Scripture, we need to grapple with what eternity is. We need to know what it means to live in the light of eternity. Um, So we're going to begin by thinking about the big story of Scripture. Um, I know I use this illustration all the time. Yes, Ruth, it is your love for them. And... I would argue that the story of scripture is the story of three trees. And the first tree is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that you find in Genesis 1 and 2. But for once, we're not going to say Genesis, we're just going to leave the tree of the knowledge of good and evil there. Tree 1, Genesis. And the second tree is the tree of the cross. Because in the cross, 
Jesus Christ flung wide his arms of love and paid the ultimate price for our salvation. And in this cross, we find security and certainty and forgiveness. And it's the axes on which all the scripture is built, the axes on which all of our lives are lived. And it's the tree at the heart of scripture and the tree at the heart of the gospel, the tree of the cross. But scripture doesn't stop there. Actually, all the scripture is calling out for the final tree, which is a tree of abundance that looks possibly a little bit like a basket of flowers. But anyway. um, and this is a tree of revelation. Revelation 21. The tree of the new creation. And actually, if we look up here, we'll just see what it on the... What is it, what is it called again? The, the screen. Thank you. Um, so just... The little screen. The screen. Oh, okay, it's called sweet, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> um, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And that's a verse from Revelation 21, which shows us the tree of the new creation. And the reality of 1 Peter, and the reality of our lives now, is that we live between these two trees. We live between the tree of the cross and the tree of the new creation. And actually our lives are to be future orientated. So that we're so aware of earthly realities. We're so aware of living for Jesus wherever we are. But we're equally, equally aware of eternity and all that is to come. And this tree of the new creation, the point where one day, Jesus will return at the right hand of the Father and set all things right. There will be no more tears, no more mourning. All will be as it was ever meant to be. And that's what fuels one Peter, and that's what fuels our lives. I came across um, this great word about a year ago, um, antibasin. Antibasin. Thank you, Mark. Um, it's a Sanskrit word, and it just means one who lives at the border. One who lives at the border. And that is what's going on for us, living between the trees. Actually, those who live at the border, we live on this precipice between heavenly realities of the new creation and between the physical earthly reality of where we are now. We are border dwellers, border dwellers. We are Christians, exiles, as Peter puts it, foreigners and strangers, as Paul puts it. Or really practically, as Tom Wright puts it, Tom Wright just says, all Christians live a strange double life. Peter addressed his audience as foreigners or exiles, not because they had emigrated to where they now live, but because they now have dual citizenship. We are citizens of earth and citizens of heaven. And that's all played out between these two trees. And that doesn't mean that we're just passing through. 
That doesn't mean that we kind of go, right, okay, I've got salvation, right, okay, clinging on to a salvation, that's brilliant, and I can see eternity, so I'm just going run, 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 run as close as I can to it. No. It means that we're ever, ever present. That this vision of eternity fuels our reality now. Because what we are called to be as Christians is a prophetic people, a prophetic body that looks at the new creation and says, you know what, that is how it's meant to be. I am going to drag through prayer and petition and acts and works of service new creation realities into earth right now. I'm going to be a signpost of the new creation because I am a border dweller. I'm a son and daughter of the king. I'm one who knows my name. It's written in the book of life. So that's where we are, and that's where Peter is, and that's how Peter can write the things he writes, because he's caught up in eternity, and he's living in the light of eternity. So let's delve into the text now, and grab your Bibles, get them in front of you. Verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles. There we have it, exiles this between-the-trees reality, this border-dwellers realities, scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. And then he really gets together. And how does he really get going? He really gets going through worship. And he knows what the heart of worship is. It's stating who God is and what God has done for us. And it's all about salvation. So, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance, this tree-free reality that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, kept in tree-free, who through faith are shielded by God's power till the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Our salvation, our inheritance. It's a reality right now, and it's a reality to come. And it's so secure because it's kept in heaven, because it's a reality still to come. So let's stop for a moment and just think, what is salvation? What is our inheritance? In the cross, in tree two, our salvation was completely and utterly achieved. But it was a salvation also, also work backwards. The power of the cross means that actually it goes backwards through all the Old Testament. It scoops up all those heroes of the faith. Abraham, Moses, Ezekiel, they're all in the new creation. And actually the cross was before any of us born, wasn't it? The cross also had a forward action, going forward into history and scooping each and every one of us up who knows the name of Jesus and securing us securing our salvation in the new creation. So we were saved through the cross. We are saved through the cross. And we will be saved through the cross. There's an active thing to our salvation. And what it means at a really, really practical level is that we're forgiven, we're restored, we're dignified, and we have eternal life. We are forgiven. 
I've been a Christian for about, coming up to 20 years now, and I forget about salvation all the time. I've been so challenged reading this text to just sit and think, my goodness, salvation, yes. Tree two, the cross is so powerful. There's nothing it can't forgive. And all you have to do is bring yourself to the foot of the cross, to Jesus Christ, and your forgiveness, utterly, utterly achieved, secure. And we're restored. We're restored into a personal relationship with God, through Jesus, in the power of the Spirit. And we're dignified and we're equipped. Actually, the Lord God Almighty has chosen to use each and every one of us. He's chosen to let this interim period, this between the trees period, just keep happening and happening and happening. Actually, Peter and 2 Peter goes on further and says it's because his will is that none should perish. That's why the times are longer. And he's looking at each and every one of us and he's saying, I've filled you with the power of the Holy Spirit. You are my hands and feet. Get going. We're dignified. We're equipped. That's our salvation. And we have eternal life. What a glorious thing. And I don't know if you're a Lord of the Rings geek. I am. And um, at the end of the Lord of the Rings, the films anyway, Frodo and Sam have like Chuck the Ring and Mount Doom and yeah, it was all exploding everywhere. Um, and the last thing they knew about Gandalf was that he died. And Gandalf's like the main wizard person who's a sort of allegory for Jesus if you don't do Lord of the Rings. Um, and they think Gandalf's dead. And then they meet Gandalf. And Sam turns and he says, Is everything sad going to become untrue? Is everything sad going to become untrue? And that's the point of eternity and the new creation. In a word, yes. Yes. Everything sad will become untrue. It's going to be restored. It's going to be glorious. To Keller and press us into this by saying, the doctrines of the cross and resurrection, tree two, and eternity, tree three, can instill us with a powerful hope. They promise that we will get the life we most long for, but it will be an infinitely more glorious world than if there had never been the need for bravery, endurance, sacrifice, or salvation. And it's not to make trite of suffering but all things will be restored. And something about the endurance and the bravery that we have needed to run this race will be caught up in that restoration. And it will be all the more beautiful for that. And so that means that Peter could go on in verse 6 like this. In all this you greatly rejoice, Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trial. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. 
tree-free. It fills us with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Because we can do this. And then he concludes um, in this little section, this sort of introduction to his letter, by gazing back into the Old Testament between tree one and tree two <coughs> and showing that it's all one glorious story. And so he says, verse 10, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ, that's the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, because the Holy Spirit always reveals Jesus, in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, the future reality of Scripture, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. This is who Jesus is. This is what salvation is. And this is what eternity is. And it is glorious. So what on earth does that mean at a really, really practical level when we drill down? What's that mean for our lives right now? Well, firstly, this whole thing of exiles, of being border dwellers, of living between the trees, how is that affecting us? Um, Tim tells me that at a men's breakfast on Thursday, um, just this question was posed. Um, Do you have more in common with your brothers and sisters in the faith in Africa or Asia than with your colleague who's not a Christian? And actually, guys, the answer should be yes. Should be yes. Um, this week, a friend of mine, who happens to be a Madagascan bishop, Bishop Sally, um, came to visit, and we were um, just having breakfast in the pan. He had a croissant for the first time in five years. He was really overjoyed. Um, and as I just spent time with him, and I barely know him, and you know, we're so different. He's like a 50-year-old Madagascan bishop with five kids and um, me. Um, and, you know, but there's, there's just this thing because we love Jesus and we're just sitting in the pan and talking about what Jesus is doing in our countries. And I realise many levels I rightly have more in common with him than with my non-Christian mates. Doesn't mean I don't love my non-Christian mates, but actually me and Sammy, all of us here, we're all we're these exiles. We're these people with dual citizenship. We're these people who know this reality and are called to walk out this reality on this earth right now. And that's a good thing. So exiles, how different are you to the world around you? And then salvation, tree two. What are you you doing with tree two? How are you feeling about salvation? Is it something you, you contemplate? How are you feeling about this glorious inheritance? How are you feeling about forgiveness? I really sense this evening that maybe for one or two of us, actually we think we've done something that's outside the grace of God, and it isn't. It isn't. The cross is big enough for everything. And I, when I first came back to faith, I had to wrestle that out. I was so gutted by the fact that I'd walked away from God for a few years and the things that I'd done. And I remember just thinking, agonising and thinking, am I really in? Am I really saved? And then one day I just felt Jesus say, the cross is big enough. The cross is big enough for everything. 
And some of us this evening need to know that afresh. We need to be confident in our salvation. Are you confident in your salvation? Actually, what is 1 Peter saying? It's saying that we're shielded. It's held so securely. So securely. You can't lose it. And then what are we doing with it? Are we evangelizing? Are we telling people about the name of Jesus? Are we calling people into the new creation? Actually, Tom Wright just says the reality of it is that we're set apart to be a living signal of the new world. You are set apart to be a living signal of the new world. That is what you're here for. Right here, right now. Tuesday afternoon, Thursday morning, Saturday afternoon. You're a living signal. And then what are we doing with tree? Because, guys, we are only going to run this race if we can hold on to tree free, if we can set our eyes on the things above. We're asked to do something so different to the world around us in terms of morality and in terms of love and in terms of sacrificial living, in terms of finance, in terms of workplace, in terms of our attitude to Brexit, anything. We're called to be different. We can only do it if we get hold of tree free. So are we talking about eternity? Not in a kind of morbid way. But in a, yeah, we're new creation people. This is brilliant. And heaven's going to be amazing. Um, are we cultivating patience? Are we happy to live in this tension, this in between the trees bit where we don't know exactly when he's going to come back? Um, patience is almost like a heresy in our culture, isn't it? We're so instantaneous. I'm terrible. I'm trying to not use Amazon Prime. That would be really good for me. Um, cultivating patience, talking about eternity. Are we holding things lightly? We're called to hold everything lightly. Everything is a gift from above. So our home life, our work life, our social life, all this glorious stuff that the Lord has showered upon us and allowed us into, are we holding it lightly? in the light of eternity. And what questions do we find ourselves asking? Um, I'm speaking to myself here. Do we veer into the, God's holding out on me, why is God holding out on me, question. But the thing that I've learned is that God never holds out, never does. Everything's in the light of this. And God's last minute is an awful lot later than my last minute. That's really irritating. Really good for me. What are we asking? What are we asking? So, secure foundation, secure salvation. All in the light of eternity. Held together by the Spirit and Jesus Christ. So that we might run this race well. And we might be a prophetic people who are a living signal to this new world. Amen. Amen. That's what one Peter's doing. Um, guys, we've got some time to respond. Um, I'm aware that I've just said a lot. So can, um, can we stand just in the quiet for a moment and let this all settle?
and spirit is um, is here amongst us. But there's an angel prayer of the church. Come, Holy Spirit. We just say, Lord, we welcome you here. Minister deeply to us. And guys, it's going to be different things for different people. For some of us, it might be that we need to grapple with this whole idea of eternity. For others of us, it might be that we're clinging on to something we know we're holding it too tightly. We just need to give it to the Lord. For others of us, it might be the forgiveness of him. I just need to know the forgiveness of the Father, his love in a certain area. And for others of us, it might be around salvation. Holy Spirit longs to reveal the certainty of your salvation. If you feel a bit wobbly in that area, come meet you this evening. So, Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the cross. And we thank you for the things to come. And Holy Spirit, just say, come in this place.